Chapter Ten, Sections One through Five of Backwater by Dorothy Richardson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Ten, Section One. When Miriam sat talking everything over with the Perns at supper on the first night of the term, detached forever from the things that engrossed them, the schoolwork, Julia Doyle's future the peculiarities of the visiting teachers the problem of the unnatural infatuation of two of the boarders with each other the pros and cons of a revolutionary plan for taking the girls in parties to the principal london museums she made the most of her triumphant assertion that she had absolutely nothing in view she found herself decorously waiting armed at all points through the silent interval while the perns took in the facts of her adventurous renunciation she knew at once that she would have to be desperately determined but after all they could not do anything with her sitting there in the pern boat still taking an oar and determined to fling herself into the sea she ought not to have told them she was leaving them just desperately without anything else in prospect because they were so good not like employers they would all feel for her it was just like speaking roughly at home well it was done she glanced about miss hattie across the table behind her habitual bowl of bread and milk had a face the face of a child surprised by injustice i was right i was right miriam gasped to herself as the light flowed in i'm escaping just in time emotional tyranny what a good expression that's the secret of miss hattie it was awful she's lost me i'm free emotional tyranny my hat mary you're beyond me how much do you charge for that one say it again she seemed to hear gerald's friendly voice go away gerald true true all the truth and meaning of her friendship with miss hattie in one single flash how fearfully interesting life was miss hattie wrestling with her fighting for her soul praying for her almost driving her to the early service and always ready to quiver over her afterwards and to ask her if she had been happy and now angry because she was escaping she appealed to miss deborah and met a flash of her beautiful soft piercing eyes her delicate features quivered and wrinkled almost to a smile but miss deborah was afraid of miss jenny who was already thinking and embarking on little sounds miriam got away for a moment in a tumult with miss deborah oh she shouted to her in the depths of her heart you are heavenly young you know life's like robinson crusoe your god's a great big robinson crusoe you know that anything may happen any minute and it's all right she laughed and shook staring at the salt cellar and then across at miss hattie whose eyes were full of dark fear miss hattie was alone and outraged she thinks i'm a fraud besides being vulgar life goes on and she'll wonder and wonder about me puzzled and alone she smiled at her her broadest happiest home smile one she had never yet reached at banbury park flushing scarlet miss hattie smiled in return hey my dear girl miss jenny was saying diffidently at her side isn't it a little unwise very unwise under the circumstances with the difficulties well in fact with all you've just told us have ye thought when miriam reached her broad smile miss jenny stopped and suddenly chuckled my dear miriam i don't know i suppose we don't know ye 
i suppose we haven't really known ye as ye are but come have ye thought it out no ye haven't she ended gravely looking along the table and flicking with her forefinger the end of her little red nose miriam glanced at her profile and her insecure disorderly bunch of hair miss jenny was formidable she would recommend certificates her eye wavered towards miss deborah my dear jenny said miss deborah promptly miriam is not a child she must do as she thinks best but don't you see my point my dear deborah i don't say she's a child she's a madcap that's it she paused of course i dare say she'll fall on her feet you're a most extraordinary girl i don't know of course she can come back or stay here in your holidays you know that my dear she concluded suddenly softening her sharp little voice i don't want to go cried miriam with tear-filled eyes they were one person in the grip of a decision miss hattie sat up and moved her elbows about all four pairs of eyes held tears my dear i wish we could give you more miriam murmured miss jenny we don't want to lose you you've pulled the lower school together in a remarkable way miss deborah was drawing little breaths of protest at this descent into gross detail the children are interested we hear that from the parents we shall be able to give you excellent testimonials oh i don't care about that responded miriam desperately fancy great scott parents behind all my sore throats i've never heard about that it's all coming out now she thought well my dear now began miss jenny hesitatingly feeling herself slipping miriam clung harshly to her determination and drew herself up to offer the set of the pretty blouse gerald and harriet had bought her in brighton as a seal on her irrevocable decision to break with banbury park it was a delicate sheeny green silk with soft tuckers what steps have you taken asked miss jenny in a quizzical business-like tone it's very kind of you said miriam formally and went on to hint vaguely and convincingly at the existence of some place in a family in the country that would be sure to fall to her lot through the many friends to whom eve had written on her behalf turning away from the feast towards the freedom of the untenanted part of the room the sitting had to be brought to an end in a moment she would be utterly routed her lame statements were the end of the struggle she knew she was demonstrating in her feeble broken tones a sort of blind strength they knew nothing of and that they would leave it at that whatever they thought if only there were no more talk two when they had left the room and flora came in for the supper things instead of sitting as usual at the far end of the table pretending to read she stood planted on the hearthrug watching her flora's hands were small and pale and serenely despairing like her face she cleared the table quietly she had nothing to hope for she did not know she had nothing to hope for whatever happened she would go quietly on doing things in the twilight on a sort of edge people would die perhaps people had already died in her family but she would always be the same one day she would die perhaps of something hard and slow and painful with that small yellowish constitution she would not be able to go on looking serene and despairing with people round her bed helping her when she died she would wait quietly with nothing to do blind and wondering death would take her into a great festival things for her for herself she would not believe it and would put up her hands to keep it off but it would be all round her in great laughter like the deep roaring and crying of a flood then she would cry like a child 
why was it that for some people for herself life could be happy now it was possible now to hear things laugh just by setting your teeth and doing things breaking into things chucking things about refusing to be held it made even the dreadful past seem wonderful all the days here the awful days each one awful and hateful and painful flora had gathered up her tray and disappeared quietly closing the door but flora had known and somehow shared her triumph felt her position in the school as she stood planted and happy in the middle of the perns hearthrug three an island is a piece of land entirely surrounded by water miriam kept automatically repeating these words to herself as the newly returned children clung about her the next morning in the schoolroom it was a morning of heavy wind and rain and the schoolroom was dark and chilly with its summer screened fireplace the children seemed to her for the first time small and pathetic she was deserting them after fifteen months of strange intimacy she was going away forever during the usual routine days the little girls always seemed large and formidable she was quite sure they were not so to the other teachers and she hesitated when she thought over this difference between this explanation which accounted for their size and redoubtableness by her own feebleness and the one to which she inclined when she felt her success as a teacher she had discovered that the best plan was to stand side by side with the children in face of the things they had to learn treating them as equals and fellow adventurers giving explanations when these were necessary as if they were obvious and might have been discovered by the children themselves never as if they were possessions of her own to be imparted never claiming a knowledge superior to their own the business of the teacher is to make the children independent to get them to think for themselves and that's much more important than whether they get to know facts she would say irrelevantly to the perns whenever the question of teaching came up she bitterly resented their vision of children as malleable subordinates and there were many moments when she seemed to be silently exchanging this determination of hers with her pupils good or bad she knew it was the secret of her influence with them and so long as she was faithful to it both she and they enjoyed their hours together very often she was tired feeble with fatigue and scamping all opportunities this too they understood and never took advantage of her one or two of them would even when she failed try to keep things going on her own method all this was sheer happiness to her the bread and wine of her days but now and again perhaps during the mid-morning recess this impersonal relationship gave way and the children clung fawning all round her passionately competing for nearness touching and clinging and snatching for kisses there was no thought or uprightness or laughter then their hands were quick and eloquent and their eyes wide and deeply smiling with those strange women's smiles sometimes she could respond in kind answering to their smiles and caresses making gentle foolish sounds and feeling their passion rise to a frenzy of adoration the little deprecating consoling sounds that they made as they clung told her that if she chose steadily to remain always gentle and deprecating and consoling and reproachful she could dominate them as persons and extort in the long run a complete personal obedience to herself so that they would do their work for her sake and live by and through her adoring her as a goddess and hating her 
even as they fawned she knew they were fighting between their aching desire for a perfection of tenderness in her and their fear lest she should fulfil the desire she was always tempted for an instant to yield and fling herself irrevocably into the abyss letting the children go on one by one into the upper school carrying as her gift only a passionate memory such as she herself had for one of her nursemaids leaving her downstairs with an endless succession of new loves different but always the same she would become like a kind of nun making a bare subsistence but so beloved always so quivering and tender and responsive that human love would never fail her and when strength failed there would be hands held out to shelter her decline but the vision never held her for more than a moment there was something in the thought of such pure personal sentiment that gave her a feeling of treachery towards the children mentally she flung them out and off made them stand upright and estranged she could not give them personal love she did not want to nor to be entangled with them they were going to grow up into north london women most of them loudly scorning everything that was not materially profitable these would remember her with pity amusement a few would escape these would remember her at strange moments that were coming for them moments would they would recognize the beauty of things like the psalm of life that she had induced them to memorize without understanding it this morning a sense of their softness and helplessness went to her heart she had taught them so little but she had forced them to be impersonal almost savagely she had done that she had never taken them by a trick four and now they were going to be julia's children julia would teach them alone there in the room with them filling the room for them in her own way there would be no more talk about general ideas she would have to keep on the object lessons because the perns had been so pleased with the idea and the children had liked them there would still be those moments with balls for the solar system and a candle for the sun and the blinds down but there would not be anything like that instant when all the eyes round the table did nothing but watch the movement of a shadow on a ball the relief afterwards the happiness in the moment of intense love in the room never to be forgotten all of them knowing each other all their differences gone away even the clever watchful eyes of the cheating little jewess real and unconscious for a moment julia would be watching the children as much as the shadow and the children would never quite forget julia she would get to know a great deal about the children but there would be no reverence for big cold outside things she would teach them to be kind little darlings she thought all children were darlings and talked to them all in her wheedling coaxing adoring way if one or two were not it was the fault of the way they were treated something in the english way of dealing with them nearly all the elder girls she disapproved of they were no longer children they were english she was full of contempt and indignant laughter for them and of pity for the wee things who were growing up yet she got on with them all and had the secret of managing them without letting them see her feelings there was something specially bad in the english way of bringing up children not the education exactly but something else something in the way they were treated something in the way they were brought up made english women so awful with their smiles julia did not smile or smirk she laughed a great deal often to tears and she would often suddenly beam 
it was like a light coming from under her thick white skin was julia the answer to the awfulness of english women if as julia said the children were all right and only the girls and grown-ups awful it must be something in the way the children were treated five yet julia was not impersonal miss deborah teaching the whole school to be good in the fair child way with her beautiful quivering nodding black head held high blinking and not looking at the girls separately in a grave voice full of scripture history but broken all the time quivering with laughter and shoutings which she never uttered hilarious she taught a system of things she had been brought up in but all the same she rushed along sweeping the girls with her and the girls believed her if i taught her system i should have false lips and the girls would not believe me if ever any one had the courage to tell her of any dreadful thing she would weep it all away and the person would begin all over again certainly as much as possible in the fairchild way again and again until they died supposing a murderer came and sat down in the hall supposing miss deborah had been brought up as a thug killing people from behind miss jenny exasperatedly trying to wake all the girls up to the importance of public life sitting round in their blouses and skirts half amused and sometimes trying to argue because the tone of miss jenny's voice made them sorry for the other side politics politics reading history in the newspapers the importance of history if you wanted to have any understanding of your own times to come into the room to take the class after miss jenny always meant finding her stating and protesting and tapping the end of her nose and the air hot and excited and the girls in some sort of state of excitement which could only be got over by being very quiet and pretending not to notice them except to be very surprised if there were any disturbance miss hattie in horror of their badness teaching them to master little set tasks because it was shocking to be an idler loving the sinner but hating the sin much more with a sort of horror like a girl a horror in her eyes that was the same as the horror of insects fearing god who was so close in the room gloomily all the time wanting to teach them all to fawn on christ christ would make everything all right if you made up to him faint not nor fear his arms are near he faileth not and thou art dear awful and then julia making the children love her herself as a person they would all love her in time even burra after her first grief would fling herself upon julia gertie would not though ever cold quiet little gertie the doctor's daughter she would make no response however much she were kissed and called a little darling gertie even as a child was the english thing that julia disliked julia with all her success was not the answer to the problem of why english women were abominable she left out so much julia you know i think things are more important than people much more people if you let them for one single instant grin and pounce upon you and try to make you forget things but they're there all the time and you have to go back to them and julia laughing suddenly aloud ah you're a duck a tonic and everyone was a little afraid of julia the children the boarders whom she managed so high-handedly with her laughter even the perns end of chapter ten section five recording by expatriate in bangor maine